Welcome back to another episode of Meredith with Why. I am your host, Meredith Willits, and today we are starting a whole new series talking about bodies. And I have a plethora of amazing guests, including my own physician, that will be coming on to talk about weight, weight loss, weight gain, and everything in between. So stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. So I don't know if you are like me, but if you are, you have gained and lost probably more pounds in your life than you care to talk about. And I have been on a weight loss journey here for um, a few months this time, and I am just really kind of fascinated by watching friends and family um, and realizing how much um, alcohol was sabotaging um, my healthy eating and sabotaging weight loss and weight gain and all of those things. And so um, I wanted to talk about it, especially since, you know, I feel like over COVID, we just like ate and drank and packed on the pounds and (laughs) did all of the things, right? And um, now that we are moving away from um, lockdown and COVID and, you know, drinking at 10 a.m. on a Thursday and a Tuesday, Um, I think that people are actually steering more towards a healthy lifestyle once again. And, you know, that being the case, we are seeing, you know, a huge rise in people taking these uh, weight loss shots, the Ozempic and um, Wagovi and all of the, you know, the ones that there are out there. And I have to admit that, you know, there, I, I, I do worry about the, um, you know, what that's going to look like in, in time. I have talked to my physician about these medications and, and, you know, the way she described it to me and she will be on, um, I believe her, she's on in December. I have her scheduled for a live. I'm super excited. She's one of four, I think it's 400 weight loss fellows in the United States. So she's going to be here talking Um, about all things weight loss. She is, you know, an expert in weight loss. And she and I talked about when I started this journey back in the summer about me getting on one of those medications. And she said, you know, I'm watching people gain all of their weight back and then some. And so, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, and, and I, when I lost weight, you know, you know, let's see here, six, seven, eight, nine, ten ish years ago, nine years ago, I got down um, really low and I was juicing. Um, I had juiced for 40 days and 40 nights, which means I did not eat one thing for 40 days, not even a tomato, not an olive, not anything. I'm not suggesting anyone do that. My hair got very, very thin, um, but I lost 27 pounds in 40 days. And so, and I was, I was guzzling nutrition. I just wasn't taking in any protein. So I did feel better. It did start me on a path of healthy eating and working out. And I got there quickly. Um, 
you know, is that better or worse than doing one of these shots? Is that better or worse than um, gastric bypass? We're going to talk about all of these things in this series. And so um, I think this is a really current topic because I'm watching so many people get these medications, these shots from dentists and all sorts of other people that are probably not, you know, the best place to get waste, weight loss drugs because you're not getting all the information that you need. So myself, I am not taking one of those. I take metformin to level out my sugars. I am not diabetic. Um, I guess I could be considered maybe pre-diabetic, um, but I do take metformin. Uh, it is great for, you know, youthfulness, to be honest, because it doesn't have, it, it like prevents the die off of cells. Again, Dr. Duros will be here to discuss metformin um, as a weight loss supplement. Back in the past, I have taken fentramine. It did not do well for me at all. It actually caused huge, huge, huge mental health issues. Um, it, it's made me way too focused. So fentramine was not, um, for me. I don't think it really did anything for my weight loss. I really believe that walking, working out, guzzling water, staying off of booze is going to get you, you know, really 90% there. It's real. Those are the things you have to move period. You have to move. If you are not moving, I don't care if it's 30 minutes a day, you're going to have a rough time. My dad used to always, my dad is a bodybuilder. He actually holds or did hold for a long time, if not still, I would have to look it up. But my dad um, did a, a weightlifting competition in York, Pennsylvania, which is where they do, um, you know, they, they, they do all of that weightlifting stuff. And he holds a world record for um, weightlifting. And he was, I think, in his 60s when he broke that world record. So I have really great people <laughs> to be watching um, about how to take care of your body. And, you know, I really have, for the most part of my life, done that. Uh, I think that breast cancer knocked me down. And I believe that many times in life, things like divorce, death, loss, um, illness can really change the trajectory of your weight. Either you're going to not eat or you're going to overeat. But a lot of times I think that we turn to that comfort. When I just had my shoulder surgery um, two weeks ago, all I wanted was like carbs and muffins and things that I haven't eaten in months, basically. And I really don't care to eat. It doesn't phase me to not eat those things. Um, but I wanted them really bad. So we definitely have an emotional attachment to food. I think that, um, you know, the way in which food is programmed into our lives, especially in America, is um, profoundly emotional. You know, like you come home from a bad day from school. Did your mom say, here, have a cookie. It'll make it better. Did we take uh, people out for huge dinners when they were successful? Like there's all sorts of ways in which Americans use food in very different ways than people around the world use food. 
And if you go and look at photos, videos, anything um, of Americans prior to the diet foods um, making their way, the convenience foods making their way into our diet, you'll see that the vast majority, like go watch um, the videos of like JFK shooting, right? Where you see a, a, a ton of, of Americans sitting out, um, watching a parade. They're all thin. P.S. They're all thin. There's no overweight people. And so it wasn't that they had better gyms. It wasn't that they had Wagovi back then. It wasn't that, you know, they were just working out more. It wasn't that they were all working in the fields. I would say the vast majority of those people um, were most likely eating lard, P.S., um, but they were also eating food. And, you know, it's really come to my attention recently. And if you're on social media and you have maybe are, are watching people that are traveling abroad, moving to Europe, moving to these other countries, talking about their situation um, in these other countries, and they're talking about like, um, I have the same exact food that I was in eating in America and I'm losing weight by the truckloads. Like I haven't even tried. I'm still eating Fruit Loops. I'm still eating pasta. I'm still eating pizza, but I'm not eating those foods that are American foods, right? They don't have the dyes or the processed this or the chemicals that, and the weight is falling off of me. That's what they're saying. You know, I believe the sicker we are, the more money these companies are making on Wagovi and all these other weight loss drugs and weight loss surgeries. So I, I got some facts and figures before I started today because I wanted to talk about like the reality of what we're living right now. I mean, we are not eating food, period. And I tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, if you're eating chicken McNuggets, go watch the video. They don't eat it because I told them it's pink slime because it is. There's there's videos out there. You can see how a chicken McNugget is made. It literally looks like a it pink slime. I tell my kids, if you eat a chicken McNugget, it is you're eating a squished up yoga mat. I don't know how else to say it. You're eating a yoga mat. And how in the hell is your body supposed to process pink slime? What has to happen? How taxing is pink slime and red dyes and blue dyes and chemicals on your liver, your pancreas, your stomach, your intestines? Your body probably absolutely has a complete freak out attack when we eat fast food freak out attack. It's like, what do you want me to do with this? You just ate a yoga mat, a pair of pantyhose, and I don't even know what. You'd be better served eating crickets. And you know, the, so we're not eating food. We're not eating food. And then when we say, okay, we'll shop the exterior of the grocery store, right? Like that's what they say to do now. Shop the exterior. 
your produce, your meat department, everything that's refrigerated, stay out of the boxes, stay out of the middle aisles where the boxes and the processed foods are. Okay, so, and I have to tell you, I was talking to this lady, she's like, oh my God, have you ever been to this XYZ place? They tell these chicken breasts, they're huge. And I didn't have the heart to tell her. It's like, yeah, because it's filled with hormones. They're those chickens have big breasts because they're filled with hormones. And then you're eating hormones. It's what? Big breasts, chicken breasts are not good. You want to find a small, tiny chicken breast that hasn't been filled with hormones. Think about it. If you were giving me hormones, what would happen to me? My breasts would get bigger. If you give a man hormones, what happens? His breasts will get bitter, bigger. If you give a chicken hormones, what happens? Its breasts will get bigger. And these chickens, their breasts get so big, they literally tip over. Literally tip over because they are too top heavy. What do you think that that is doing to our boys and girls when they are eating chicken filled with hormones? You go ahead and fill in the blanks. Not good. And then we have cows that now only eat uh, corn. And from if my mind serves me correctly, a stomach that ha a cow has six stomachs and cannot um, digest corn. And unless it is given antibiotics, the cow will die within roughly six months, which is why cows are filled with antibiotics. And if you go to the store, do me a favor, you will see... The chickens will say no antibiotics and the cow's meat will say no hormones. And every time I see that, I laugh and go, no shit. Because it's the opposite. You need your chicken to say no hormones and your cows to say no antibiotics. So they actually advertise what the, it doesn't need to be advertised. United States diet is consisting, uh, consists of 70% processed food. When you say the word processed food, I want you to think about the idea that your body has to process that food a lot. It is taxing on the body. One of the most exhausting things your body will do in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year is digest food. It is exhausting to your body. I'm not saying it's bad, but it is one of the most taxing things to do, which is why you're supposed to starve a flu, which is why you're supposed to, um, when you do the, the uh, intermittent fasting, it's very good for you because you're allowing your body to do something, heal, um, burn fat, et cetera, instead of breaking down food. Instead of breaking down food, digestion is taxing on the body. You're asking your body to do work. Now, if you're ingesting processed food that's filled with, you know, yoga mats and nylons and whatever the hell else is in our food, imagine how taxing that is on your liver. And then top on top of that, booze. Put on top of that, whatever else, you know, scented candles in your house. You know, all that stuff has to be processed by your liver. All that stuff has to be processed by your body. And it's taxing. It's aging. 
If you don't want to age, stop asking your body to work so damn hard. So 70% of the American diet is processed food. And Americans spend 10% of our disposable income on fast food, 10%. So if you make, uh, let's say, $100,000 a year, and after taxes at $70,000 a year, and then you have you know $50,000 in uh, all this other stuff that leaves you with 20% disposable or $20,000 disposable in- income, if I'm doing my math very quickly in my head. So that's like two grand a year on disposable income is on fast food. Um, and one third of Americans are obese. And obese means you have a BMI of over 25. Which in my head, you know, sitting there doing that math is almost impossible. Like BMI, like figuring that out. No wonder everyone's so damn overweight. You can't do the BMI. It's like a whole thing. Um, And then uh, BMI of 30 to 39 is obese and 40 um, an over is, uh, I'm sorry, obese is 30 to 39 over 25, um, is just overweight and 40 plus is morbidly obese. 9%, 9% of Americans are morbidly obese. That's a huge number. 9% of American adults are morbidly obese. And three to five percent of Americans have a BMI below eighteen point five, which is considered underweight. Which we will talk to some people in this series um, that have struggled with being underweight. I myself st- struggled with speaking clearly with a uh, being underweight in high school. I wouldn't say that I was necessarily underweight. Um, more, I would say probably malnourished which as I've watched and studied about weight loss, if you look at people that are underweight and if you look at people that are overweight, the majority of both peoples are malnourished. And you have to think about it in the fact of people that are obese, the way I look at it, is their brain is consistently calling for nutrients. For whatever reason, their brain does not find that they have the nutrients that their body requires, either because they have so much extra weight that their brain is trying to maintain. Because if you rem- if you think about it, weight loss, your brain thinks like you've got a major problem. Like your brain does not want you to lose weight. That is a negative for the brain department. And so your brain wants to maintain the weight that you are at. And also it wants to call in nutrients, nutrition. And so if you're eating potato chips and then pasta and then, you know, ice cream and, you know, maybe something like cereal or bagels, your brain's like, okay, I I would like some vitamin C, please. Where's the vitamin C? I would like that. Um, I would like vitamin E, please. And then you just have a bagel or a bowl of cereal or a pasta or a pizza or whatever it is that doesn't have those nutrients. And so um, the brain calls, you know, it's like, um, I need more gas. Send in some more gas, please. And so it tells you you're starving to death. You're hungry. You need more food. And actually the majority of hunger 
many times is dehydration. And I will tell you from my first week after surgery that dehydration is no joke. Like it is no joke. I had no idea I was dehydrated for a week, but my shoulder was in such a space that like, I didn't want to have to worry. I didn't want to go to the bathroom. I was, I was exhausted. I was in so much pain. Any movement was too much. And so getting off the couch or getting up or going into the bathroom was just a hassle. And I, (laughs) I have heard more women than I can tell you say, I would probably drink more water, but I hate getting up and going to the bathroom. I hate getting up and going to the bathroom. And I get it. And I did it to such an extreme that I had to go to urgent care and get fluids because my brain was basically not working. My, my body was just like, I can't do this anymore. I had confusion. There's no way I could drive a car. It was very, very bad. And so now I'm literally drowning myself in water. So, you know, if you are in the space, because let's see here, um, 15% of us adults have used a weight loss dietary supplement, which I found that in my mind to be low. I think that that seems low to me, but I mean, 15% feels low. However, in 2012, there were 173,000 weight loss surgeries. So that's going to be like a gastric bypass or a sleeve, something which prevents you from eating. So in 2012, 173,000. And in 2021, 262,000 weight loss surgeries. Um, And if I'm lucky, I believe that we do have someone coming on in this series to talk about their experience with gastric bypass and how it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. And their experience since getting weight loss surgery um, and how it has been um, less than great. So we should be talking to them in this series, crossing my fingers, hopefully, um, because I believe that um, that is a huge uh problem can be a huge problem is weight loss surgery because, you know, just like my shoulder surgery, I was not really informed of how profound the recovery would be and how completely and totally incapable I would be of doing anything for weeks. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure, at least at the time that this person received weight loss surgery, that they were informed as to the ramifications of what it means to cut off your stomach. And how that's going to affect your life moving forward, Um, because it has affected this person's life literally every day of their life moving forward. And so we will talk to them about that. Um, And we will also talk to people in this series that are underweight. We will talk to people that have gained and lost hundreds of pounds. Um, And I'm not sure I have a... um, a guy who wanted to talk about his wife's journey on um, one of these weight loss medications and his journey with her while she's on it and his, you know, his, his experience. Um, not sure if he's still willing to talk about that um, on camera or on the podcast, but, you know, I would say education is power. And 
if you are interested in losing weight, if that's something that you want to do, I would really suggest going on like Netflix and watching some of these documentaries about food. I think that in America, especially, we are oblivious as to how sick our food supply is. We believe, I remember, I think I talked about it on here, um, that I had a friend or have a friend who was telling me like they, they lowered uh, the amount of, I think it was like Coke you were allowed to buy in New York City. And she's like, that's bullshit. They shouldn't, they shouldn't tell us how much Coke we can drink and we should be able to get a, you know, a big extra large Coke if we want to. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And, and then I started realizing that, you know, what is Coke? Like, what is it? What are they let, letting us drink that they're now saying you shouldn't drink? Like we, we are so oblivious to what the Food and Drug Administration does and what the United Dairy Council does and what the, you know, all these food government oversight, you know, factions. Um, we, we trust the shit out of them. We say, well, hey, if it's on the shelf, and if it's called food, it's got to be food, right? I mean, it's food. And I beg to differ. I mean, the majority of the shit that we eat in America, we cannot pronounce. We have absolutely no clue what it is. And let me tell you what, if you don't know what it is, there's a very good chance that your body has no clue what it is either. And that just gets packed on as pounds, I described it to a friend of mine. I was talking about, um, I think it was the pancreas. And I was talking to her because she had had um, issues with her pancreas. And I said, it's like this. You're born with 52 cards. You have a deck of cards. That's your life. And every single one of your organs has 52 cards. And every time you eat or drink something or around there, a card is dealt. And when you're at the end of your 52 cards and you don't know when that is, your 52 deck of cards could be up uh, today from drinking too much. It could be up tomorrow from um, eating too much sugar. You don't know when your body is done with you over your shit. Done with the smoking, done with the sugar, done with the processed foods, done with the alcohol. Your pancreas is like, I am done with you. Your liver's like, I'm over your bullshit, right? That's it. And then you have pancreatitis and then you have cirrhosis and then you have stomach, whatever. I don't know what that noise is, but I think it's my dog. Not sure. <laughs> and so the thing of it is, is that we need to recognize when your body is done, it's done. And then we are get, you know, the type two diabetes, then you get pancreatitis or pancreatic cancer, you get cirrhosis, you get all of these things. And so we need to recognize that, do you need to go outside? Do you need to like, Hadley, do you need to let go? No? Okay. She's just sitting here like whining like a big weirdo. 
and it's very distracting. Um, and so the thing of it is, is we need to recognize that when we put our bodies through that much crap and ask it to process that much garbage, that when it's over, it's over. And fortunately, the person that I was talking to about this was like, wow, that really resonated with me. I never really thought about the fact that one of your organs in your body could be like, yeah, just go screw yourself. I'm, I'm done processing all this nonsense. And that's why we're seeing so many 20-somethings that are coming into um, ERs and their primary care physician with symptoms of cirrhosis is because their liver is done with them. The binge drinking, the excessive drinking, drinking, you know, all the time. Whether you're an alcoholic or not, alcohol still destroys your body the exact same way an alcoholic's body is destroyed by alcohol. If an alcoholic drinks 10 drinks and you're not an alcoholic and you drink 10 drinks, you guys are still being destroyed by alcohol by 10 drinks. It, it doesn't matter if you're an alcoholic or not. An alcoholic just means that you have a different relationship with alcohol. But alcohol will destroy you in the exact same way. And so the same can be said for all of the food that we're eating that we cannot pronounce. We have no idea what it is. If you go eat an apple, you know what a damn apple is. But if you go eat, you know, I, I mean, I have a friend and, I, and he was telling me about his three-year-old, three-year-old, I think she's three. And she was, you know, drinking, um, what was it called? Um, Mountain Dew. I'm like, you can't give your three-year-old Mountain Dew. Oh, it's diet Mountain Dew. I mean, my head exploded. And, and that's not, you know, water's free. Just give her water. You don't need to do Mountain Dew. You don't need to do juice. I have, you know, a lot to say on milk, but that's for another day. But go watch some documentaries on your food in America. Go watch documentaries on, you know, chicken farms and um, cattle farms and, you know, processed food and how food is made. You need to be educated on what you're putting in your body. We need to stop putting our head in the sand and thinking that, you know, it's going to be okay. That it's just going to be, the FDA is going to watch out for us. It'll be fine. The Food and Drug Administration, they're going to handle it. They're going to make sure that I don't get sick from food. They don't care. They just push it through. Go watch some documentaries on our food. Be educated as to what you are putting in your body. It's like we're all just like, oh, my God, I've got cancer. And then we all say, oh, my God, everything causes cancer. You can't eat anything these days. Well, okay. Your body's over you. You cannot eat SpaghettiOs and Hamburger Helper and all this crap that's filled in our food system and say, well, you know, it is what it is. I'm just going to get sick. You got to get informed. You got to take control of your health because I'm here to tell you, I am here to tell you that we do not need half the food that we ingest. 
we have been sold this idea that we need to have this well-rounded breakfast and well-rounded lunch and, you know, meat and potatoes and a vegetable for dinner. I got to tell you, you don't, you don't, you don't need all that food. Maybe a kid growing up, you know, like my son who's 12 and he plays football and he just eats like there's no tomorrow. These teenagers eat you out of house and home. Yes, maybe they need a ton of food. But once you've reached, you know, your height of who you're going to be as an adult or you're not in, you know, pregnancy or breastfeeding, the amount of food that you need to survive is actually not a lot of food. It's kind of jarring, actually. And when you're trying to stay under a certain calorie to maintain a healthy weight, I mean, if you want to maintain like 150 pounds, that's only like 1,500 calories a day, roughly, give or take how much you work out. 1,500 calories a day is like one meal at a restaurant. It's actually probably half of one meal at a restaurant. I was gassed to find out that like, a simple scone at Starbucks is like 500 calories. That's like a third of your calories for the day. And then if you drink alcohol on top of that, you have to back all those calories out. Like it's a whole thing. And we just eat and eat and drink and drink and juice and Gatorade and we, you know, fast food and all of this stuff. And then we wake up and we're like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't eat very much. And, you know, if you watch that that Netflix um, series that I had mentioned a while back about the blue zones, they talk about the fact that they make these vegetable meals and, you know, like these low um, meat meals. But there are tons of vegetables and it's like this huge plate of food is 500 calories and then they show an American 500 calories and it's like a mini hamburger, a mini hamburger. And so we're like, I, I just had, a, I had this small, and I hear my husband talk about this all the time. No offense, hon, but he'll be like, I just had like a hamburger. I just had like this small little chicken sandwich. And I'm like, that small chicken sandwich has enough fat and calories and carbs and sugar and junk in it as an entire, entire, you know, thing of vegetables and food and has zero nutrition. So then in if like, you know, 30 minutes, your brain is go, I'm hungry, eat more food. And we're like, oh my God, see, I only had that small sandwich. I'm so hungry. I'm starving to death. You're starving to death because you didn't eat any nutrition. And your brain is so hungry because you gave it shit. And now you're sitting there hungry. And your brain is like, well, of course I'm hungry. I only had a little sandwich. I just had a little sandwich. I just had a scone and a tea. Yeah, there's no freaking ass nutrition in that. Your brain is going to tell you you're starving any minute now. Any minute now, because it didn't get any vitamins, any, you know, nutrients, any nothing. And they're like, I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm overweight. I have a scone in the morning with like coffee with some creamer in it. I have a small little sandwich at lunch and then I have a sensible dinner. Yeah. And you're at 3000 calories. Oh, and a couple glass of wines at night. And you're at 3,000 calories, which sustains, you know, a 300-pound human. We need to reset. 
we need to reset what it is that we're supposed to be eating. And I will tell you, I have now gotten in the habit of eating like a protein yogurt from Aldi's. I'm obsessed with Aldi's. If you're not shopping at Aldi's, you're making a huge error. Stop shopping at these grocery stores. You don't need to choose between 30 different cans of diced tomatoes. You just need one can of diced tomatoes. Stop it. Just stop it now. Shop at Aldi's. The fruit and vegetables are cheap. Half the reason that people buy shit food is because they think that um, you know, they, they need to shop at these grocery stores and the fruit and vegetables are so expensive. And then they're like, Oh my God, I can't afford fruit and I can't afford this. It's so expensive, which it is. So shop at Aldi's or Trader Joe's. If you have one near you or farmer's markets, stop shopping at these big grocery stores that are, you know, a fortune. But I will tell you, I have bowls of clementines and apples and bananas and all the things. I have the, the what are they called? I think they're called RX bars. I get the AM. All it is is like dates and peanuts and like it's normal health food in a bar and they're fantastic. I leave those in my car so I'm never like, oh my God, I have to stop at Burger King. Be prepared to be hungry. Be prepared. You're going to get hungry. Make figuring out what to eat easier on yourself. And the more you get in the habit of joining, of I'm sorry, of, of, of choosing fruits and vegetables and yogurt and a handful of nuts, things like that, the more your brain will tell you that that is what food is. See, the problem is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something right now. If you are a parent, it is your job to teach your children what food is. It's your job. Food is not chips and licorice and junk. And if you teach your children that that is what, hey, you're hungry, turn to this. I believe that that is a huge problem. I'm not, I'm not going to say what I want to say but I think that it is abusive to teach your children that when they are hungry, they should turn to junk. Because they are going to look at you when they are trying on their tux for their wedding or their prom dress or their wedding dress or they're having pictures taken for their senior pictures and they look at you and go, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you have health, healthy options? Why am I so overweight? And you have only you to answer to. Because if your child is that out of control, it's a you have not taught them what food is. And I know that's harsh, but and I know that people are going to say, you, you're privileged. And I shop at Aldi's every time, all the time. I buy very, very little meat, very little meat. It's very expensive. And so, you know, when I go and buy apples and bananas and so on and so forth, or at Trader Joe's, they're 25 cents a piece, 19 cents a piece. I don't want to hear it. We are spending 10% of our disposable income on fast food in America. Spend it at Aldi's. Spend it at Trader Joe's. Teach your children what food is. It's your job. Skittles is not food. It's not. It's junk. 
but your kids will turn to that and, you know, they'll keep turning to that when they're hungry. They will think that that's normal. It's our job as parents to teach our children what sustenance is, what to turn to when they're hungry. I hope that everyone is on board with this series. I'm super excited. The, I think every single week is going to be an interview after this week. I was supposed to have an interview this morning, um, but we had an emergency with my guest so that she's coming back um, another week. Um, we're going to have people that have had tummy tucks and gastric bypass and Wagovis and all the things and physicians. Um, if you are interested in taking part in this series, please reach out to me. I still have a few open spots. Um, I would like to talk to someone who struggles with gaining weight still. I haven't, three to 5% of America, Americans are underweight, whereas, you know, 49% of Americans are overweight. So it's a whole lot easier to find people struggling with overweight than it is underweight. So if you have struggled or are struggling with um, gaining weight and being underweight, please reach out to me, MeredithWillits at gmail.com or on any one of my social media websites or whatever. Um, thank you guys so very much for being here again this week. Um, I'm really excited to dive into this topic. I think that uh, there's a lot of people that are anti um, the shot for weight loss. They think it's the easy way out. I think a lot of people are anti weight loss surgery because it's the quote easy way out. And I hope that we get to talk to all the people about these things because I'm not so sure that's the easy way out. So um, if you haven't left a review on the podcast, please do. It does make a huge difference. Um, either the stars on the podcast where you listen or review. Um, but I will be here back here. Same time, same sandbox next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y. For behind the scene footage and outtakes, please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.